welcome to another episode of Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. I'm your sister co-host, Elizabeth Connor. I'm your brother co-host, Thomas Dempsey. Coming to you a little late this yeah. week, but that's okay. Life happens. Yeah, yeah it's fallback. Yeah. Uh, which I think is, if not this Sunday, then the next. It's yeah, sometime it's, coming it's up. it's the next Sunday. Okay. It's going to be so weird getting up that early. I mean... It's like dark enough when I leave for work as it is. And now it'll be like fully dark. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Actually, fall back. That means I'd be. It'd be no, an hour later. That means it'll be light. Yeah, that means it'll be yeah, lighter. Yeah, so it'll be more outside. light. Okay, well, that's not so bad then. Now, when you hear people talk about canceling daylight savings time, is that to say that it would be the fallback time all year round or the spring forward time? From my understanding, when they were talking about it, it would, it would be the spring forward time. Okay. So like. I wasn't it, sure. So like, at least that's what I understood. So if it went, like after this next daylight savings time, this coming spring, it just yeah. like would it like the time wouldn't change again after that. Okay, it's been a couple weeks since we last spoke. I had a doctor's visit today. Oh, how'd that go? Uh, pretty well. I mean, it technically it was just labs. Okay. My doctor's visit proper isn't until next Halloween. Okay. Uh, yeah. But today I just got blood drawn, sample given, and what have you. Uh, most of it looks pretty good. My triglycerides are still high, but they're better. They've been declining the last two years, which is good. And uh, I, something called my AL, ALT is high. Okay. Which apparently has to do with your liver. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's just like a weight thing or not, because none of my other, like, related tests came back negative or in the danger zone for anything. So it's probably just, like, ask with anything, lose a few pounds, what have you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I signed up for my work insurance the other day, which I'm not sure... Until I get a card in the mail, I don't know how I'm supposed to access it. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad to have that done. And today I signed up uh, for the Palmetto Pass. Cool. So now I can just drop, blow right through the uh, that the payment areas on the toll road rather okay. than stop off. Yeah. I take it usually in the mornings just to save about five or so minutes. Yeah. And that usually adds up because I find it's advantageous to start work a little early in the morning so that I don't have to wait around as long in the afternoon when things have pretty much slowed to a crawl. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, work's going good. Drove out to Seneca today. Dropped off a, a paint sprayer at uh, a store up that way. Okay. Yeah, so I'm enjoying it. Sort of getting my routes down, know where, knowing where things are. Awesome. And uh, how about you? Uh, let's see here. So, since the last time we spoke, had my birthday already passed? Uh, no, I don't think it had. Okay, so I turned another year older. Yeah. Since the last episode. Um, actually, That's cool. Me and Brian did. Our birthdays are back to back. Like We did some birthday stuff. Like We went out to dinner. Stuff like that. It was pretty chill. Okay. 
And then at school, we are getting ready for our... <clears throat> so we haven't really done any like school-wide programs yeah. since COVID, uh, mostly because, well, we just haven't gotten, or like my school hasn't gotten back into like the, the habit of it, I guess. Sure. So we're kicking it off strong with like a, with a America in Song program. It's not a Veterans Day program, but we're having it around Veterans Day. Okay. So uh, and it's for fourth and fifth grade, and so this week we started our full rehearsals in the cafeteria, where like the kids are up on the risers and like we're practicing the speaking parts and all that good stuff. And I've had to get savvy with the sound system there at school. Right. That I didn't know I had. Okay. But I know now. So, yeah. So, that program's going to be in a couple weeks. And then... Oh, this is real cute. So, I have started watching... I'm taking a little break from Suits. And I've started yes. watching Grey's Anatomy on Netflix. Okay. And because, like, late at, or like in the evening, um, when I'm scrolling on TikTok, I get, like, the, the show edits where it takes, like you know, a scene from a show and that's all yeah. like, that's all it is because it comes across my foot. It comes across TikTok like every day. I was like, you know what? Like I haven't watched Grey's Anatomy since probably the first or second season. So I'm just, I'm going to watch it. So I started watching it. I'm like halfway through season two on Netflix and yep. I was on TikTok the other night when Andrew was over our youngest. Yes. And like, he's playing his video game. I'm just assuming he's not, paying any attention to me because you know how you get with your like your earbuds in yeah um and so anyway a scene from Grey's Anatomy comes across and and Andrew goes oh is that Dr. Karev <laughs> I went yeah and he was like yeah I like that guy and okay like, okay and, and, and I mean he's told us that like his mom watches it so I was like okay well like he's like sat down to watch maybe an episode sure and then I, and then another couple of seconds later, or like another couple of minutes later, another Grey's Anatomy clip comes across. And he goes, oh, is that Dr. Karasik? <laughs> and I'm like, and now that is like more of an obscure character. Yeah. If you haven't seen Grey, if you don't watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy. So I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, I can't stand that guy. And I was like, Andrew, do you like watch Grey's Anatomy? And he was like, yeah, I watch it every night before I go to sleep. I love that show. Oh. I was like, oh, wow. All right then. And then That's another couple, yeah. And then another couple minutes later, like another clip comes across and he was like, and I don't even remember who the character was, but he was like, oh man, I really like them. Don't get too attached though. They die in season whatever. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, spoilers. Yep. So I'm also huh. kind of, so like I'm watching Grey's Anatomy, not just because of TikTok, but also kind of because. I want to have something to talk about with Andrew. Okay. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Let's see. Got a bit of uh, community outreach the other day. Uh, friends of the show, Caleb and Liz. Mm-hmm. Uh, friend Caleb told me about this. Uh, apparently, he, after listening to the podcast, he got Liz a little reading gift. He got her a copy of Stuffed. No, he did not. Yes, he did. <gasps> and apparently she, like, by page six, she was just falling out. Okay, so I was going to wait till a little bit later in the show, but that, I'm not even going to lie, that was, like, a perfect segue, because 
I actually read more than one book this time. Um, awesome. I, because I didn't, not, I mean, don't get super excited. It was one other book, but, eh. but hey, progress, you know? Yeah. So I, because when I talked about Stuffed, uh, yes. which for our listeners who maybe don't, don't know about that episode, the book is Stuffed, A Living Pillow Romance by Sylvia Morrow. And yep. it says, is yes. So anyway, I finished it because when I talked about it last time, I had started it, but I had not finished it. Well, now I can say that I have finished it. It didn't get any better. Oh. Now, it, I think because honestly, like the book itself, it's it's pretty, it's pretty much straight up like erotica because like it's very short. It's like less than ten thousand words. Sure. Um, you know, it doesn't. It focuses more on the physical relationship and not on like the emotional relationship. I feel like if it was a more like fully fleshed out, and I don't mean that in like a pun-ish way, but if it was a more fleshed out version, like romance book, um, yes. I think the main character or the 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 pillow, Ori, would be kind of the. I'm the bad guy for everyone but her. Because he very much gives off those vibes. Okay. But in terms of like the action and the ridiculousness of all of it, none of it got any better. Well, it's, it's still ridiculous. And I'm not going to sit here and like recommend it because it's a high quality read. But it yeah. is entertaining. Okay. That's fine. And I had uh, two books that I finished uh, this past week. Uh, there are two books I've, I had been reading, and I think I made mention of on occasion. One was uh, The Hearing Trumpet by Leonora Carrington. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned when I uh, talked about her short story collection, that she was an, a surrealist artist from like the 1920s up until like, I think she died in 2011, thereabouts. So she like lived a long time. I think of her two novels... That she published in her lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one, The Hearing Trumpet, is the one I've heard about as uh, published in English. Okay. And as I mentioned last time, it's about an old woman uh, in her 80s being sent off to a senior living center for women. Mm-hmm. And just about her life when she gets there and the uh, all the eccentric people who are there and that she gets to know. And the whole book sort of has this appropriately surreal, fantastical bent to it. Like you're, you'd be inclined to think is just a result of her own perspective, but then it starts to bleed into the actual world of the story. So it's that it's a sort of like conceptual style that I find really engaging. Yeah, I just really enjoyed it. And the other book that I read, um, I can't recall if I've ever talked about it or not. Is co- was called Dawn by author Sevgi Soysel. Uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. She was a Turkish author who passed away of cancer in 1976 at the age of 40. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dawn was her last uh, completed work published before her death. That was published in 1975, and it is a semi-autobiographical novel, I guess, about her experiences in prison. Mm-hmm. She was obviously writing in turkey and i can't speak to like the political climate at the moment but back at the time there was very authoritarian i think it was under uh martial law 
martial law. That's it. She had been like in jail. The novel itself is about a woman who I guess is like a Sevgi analog named Oya, who is a journalist who is imprisoned for a time and then after being released is like on a probationary exile in this city called Adana. Mm-hmm. One night, like a week out from the end of her exile, she is invited by a lawyer to come eat dinner with this family. And at the dinner, the apartment is uh, raided by the police and she and several other members of the family are taken into a police station for the night. Mm-hmm. And the whole novel is just basically the 24-hour period. Well, I mean, it covers a lot more than just the 24 hours of the day prior to and the day after the arrest. So, like, it follows, like, all the people's various lives and perspectives. And it jumps around from different viewpoints, though mainly focusing on that of Oya and a couple of the men at the dinner. Mm Mm-hmm. But you also get, like, the internal monologues of, like, the police officers and their superiors and the neighbors and what have you. So it's a very, like, broad novel in terms of that sort of social uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very well written, very, like, intense in parts. It deals with, like, prison life and police brutality mm-hmm. in a way that's, like, unsparing but clear-eyed. Yeah. So, yeah, I quite enjoyed that as well. Yeah, those were, like I said, two books I'd been reading for a bit, got around to finishing. Uh, Before I guess we go to break, I should inform listeners to a bit of a change in the program. As you may know, about a month back, I assigned uh, Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian as our next novel or our next book to read and discuss. Yeah. Well... It occurred to me that when you selected your next book in the company of men Mm -hmm. for this reading assignment, one thing you were specifically looking for was, quote, less dour or intense. Yeah. After sort of like the graphic nature of Hex. Yeah. And whatnot. And let's just say Blood Meridian was not the book to move on to from (laughs) after that. Did you ever, did you read any of it before I, uh, I got in touch? I did not. I did not read any of it. Well, I guess if you haven't looked up a plot summary, basically it's like the mid-1800s. America is like still expanding westward. And like the book basically follows the exploits of a militia that has formed to travel down into Mexico uh-huh. and basically just kill anybody they come across. Yeah, that sounds super depressing. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to lie. You kind of said mid-1800s. I was like, yeah, that, that anything happens in that time period is going to be sad. Yeah, it's it was it's pretty rough. I mean, I'm still reading it, and I'll probably finish it. It just seemed like, as far as that goes, you know, we could probably... It seemed like that uh, the book you had assigned, which was itself fairly short, and seemed like the kind of thing that we could finish up on a tighter timetable mm-hmm. so that's the state of things um this week once we get back from the break we'll be talking about in the company of men and that i might have some uh some suggestions for what we can do with regards to upcoming reading challenges moving forward okay all right so we'll see y'all in a minute
And we're back. It's your words against mine, and it's time for our assigned reading discussion. This week, Elizabeth assigned us to read... Uh, would you call it a short story collection? It's it's sort of interestingly I composed. Uh, it's In the Company of Men by Veronique Tadja. Tadjo. This was... And she lives... Is she Kenyan? Um, it just says she's from the Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast. Okay, because I know the book itself cons- is concerned with several countries during the outbreak of Ebola mm-hmm. from several years back. It writes of the outbreak from the myriad perspectives, from victims, from uh, doctors, from plant life and animals. Yeah, and so like it's comprised of a variety of what are ascent, I guess vignettes you'd call them, from yeah. all these different perspectives that sort of build to give you a rounded perspective of that time and place and the emotions and the psychologies and like the actions that were taken. It's pretty straightforward, uh, and I'm I, I, I say that it's pretty clear in its focus. And it takes some poetic like avenues for exploring that. The book begins from the perspective of a tree. And the tree is sort of recounting like its history among humanity. It recounts like the introduction of like industrialism and sort of like the pillaging of forests and nature. Basically the contentious relationship humanity develops with nature from the perspective of nature Uh and i'll admit that's like the first chapter in the book starting out it does come off a little preachy not because there's anything fundamentally contentious or debatable i guess it's just the sort of thing where you're like do i need a tree to explain to me that humans are treating the world terribly yeah and then you start like breaking down like the imposition of a human perspective on a fundamentally unhuman organism it's sort of it's basically just like you feel compelled whether you agree or disagree to distance yourself from that mode of writing up top Mm -hmm. but what i found was ultimately i think especially in light of the human perspective chapters that we get following that it uh, is actually a kind of calibration that the book is engaging in where it sets your it sets your perspective of the book on one level to sort of engage with it on another as it goes along mm-hmm. and that it it almost like benefits then from having that initial bout of disconnect yeah yeah so that was something that was like an early thing i appreciated about it uh, how, how about you how'd you feel reading it So, like you said, because of the quick turnaround and regardless of the fact that I hadn't even started The Blood Meridian yet, um, when I went to go start this book after you had suggested we switch up our, like what we were going to read for this episode, I was pleasantly, I was pleasantly surprised by how short it was. Right. Because it's a very quick read. I think I read it in a day, maybe. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I could have read it in that, I could have read it in a day, but I gave myself a bit more of a lead time so i was able to just drop in on a chapter or two yeah per day it's a very short read it's a very easily consumable read sure 
and and the whole time I'm because like I didn't really know anything about the author Veronique Tajo. And so I'm reading it, and I'm like, this is so easy to read. It feels like I'm reading poetry. Well, guess what? She's a poet. Yeah. I was like, oh, that makes sense then. And, and, and in fact, I, the book even includes some excerpts from her like published yeah. poetry. Yes, it does. I'm sitting here reading it. So, okay. So the book was published in French in 2017. Okay. And then it, and then the English translation was published in 2021. Okay. Here's why that's important. That now in 2023, as I was reading it, I was like, "Where was this book during COVID?" Oh yeah. Because reading that book, I was like, I feel like this is, I feel like this is describing COVID. I mean, it's like beat for beat for beat. Like you have. Obviously, you have, like, the government's rush to take care of this problem. The military involvement, because there's a problem and people are panicking. The the general population's mistrust of the government and the media. And, and families who are going against the guidelines because they want to keep to their traditions and they want to be with their families, even if it's at a risk to themselves. I mean, everything was just, I was like... Why didn't we have this during COVID? Well, well, I'm sure that's a that COVID was probably a big thing, a big impetus to getting it published in English to begin with. Probably, you're probably right because I I don't know and you know and obviously the subject matter that it's talking about is horrific because yeah. you do learn a little bit about the the book goes into some detail about what all is involved with Ebola, but it doesn't really like you kind of have to do your own research to find out about like yeah, what it's the not virus a hard, actually does. Like non fictional overview of Ebola. It's just sort of general knowledge, I guess, for people I, who experienced it and lived through it culturally. Do you think you could do you think you could stretch as far as to say it is within the realm of historical fiction? I mean, presuming that, like, all of the accounts that the book comprises of, I wonder if certain narratives that the book puts forth weren't gleaned from, like, interviews by the author. Yeah. Presuming that there was some, like, authorial license being taken, then, yes, I would say historical fiction would probably fall under that header. Ebola is obvious and is depicted in this book to be like this horrific thing, which it is. Right. Like I went and I looked up like what is Ebola? What is the Ebola virus? What does it do to the human body? And it's, and it's awful. Like nobody, yes. like I, I never want to go through that. At the same time, through reading it, like it was almost comforting, right? To be like my experience with a pandemic is not dissimilar. From other pandemic events that have happened. Okay. Is that is that a weird thing to say? Uh, I mean, I'm going to need you to say it again because my earbuds just died. <laughs> okay. So I said that this book was in a way comforting because it was like my lived experience through the COVID pandemic yeah, is I think... extremely similar to other pandemic events that have happened in the past. I think it's fair to view it through that lens. Because, I mean, you know, like during COVID, 
people talked a lot about, oh, the Spanish flu of like the early 1900s. But the, the, Ebola virus, the, the Ebola outbreak that this book is talking about in the Company of Men happened from 2014 to 2016. Yeah, because I, I remember that. I was going to school in 2014 in Atlanta when they uh, choppered that Ebola patient in. Yeah. Yeah, and there was the whole thing. And, like, I, I was going to school at Emory, which is right across the street from the CDC. So there was obviously a lot of concern about, like, such and such getting out or anything spreading, which, yeah. you know, for, fortunately it didn't, but still. You know, if I'm being honest, I don't know that I really remember the Ebola outbreak during that time. I remember the one from, like, high school. Sure. Because I remember, like, being at Grandma and Poppy's house and, like, reading about it on the television. Or, like, seeing about it on the television. Yeah. And maybe I'm getting my stuff mixed up. Maybe what I'm actually thinking about is, like, West Nile virus or Zika or something. Yeah, I remember those two. But I... But... I didn't, like, I do not recall this particular Ebola outbreak. I feel okay. like I remember it from years earlier. Right. and But also, you were probably, like, deep into graduate studies. Yeah, because 2014 to 2016, that, well, we had a lot going on because you and I were both in grad school, Mom, and we and we both graduated from grad school. I moved to start my job in to start my teaching job mom was yeah. diagnosed with multiple myeloma yeah it was it was a busy couple of years there yeah those were some busy years so i don't know that i my headspace was necessarily like what's going on in the world today sure any parts any like narrative strands or chapters from this book stick out to you like in your i'm not gonna lie okay so like yes the first actual chapter is about the tree Yes. But there's like a little snippet before that where he's oh, talking yes. about like two boys. Yes. Going out into the forest, which their village is next to, and they go and and I, I like I remember reading that part and I looked up at my husband and I was like, Does everything start with bats? Oh. What? So in the book, it starts with, like, these two boys from the village going into the forest, and they kill some bats. Yeah, are you, are you, are you proposing that that was the, that that is the book's summary of, like, ground zero for that strain of Ebola? Yeah, I think that's what the book says was ground zero, is that there were some people who, and, and I, and I looked it up, I did my research, I went to the CDC's website, and you can contract Ebola from eating a bat. Well, yeah, I mean, I presumed that was the case because then there's spoilers for the end of the book, but there's that whole chapter at the end from the perspective of a bat. Yeah. And that comes after a chapter that is told from the perspective of the Ebola virus. And, like, the two of them are, like, counterpoint arguing, essentially. Like, the virus in terms of, like, the destructiveness of humanity and the bat. In terms of like the value of life and whatnot so yeah those were like obviously very big set pieces weird to say that with regards to a book like this but they are like i guess the more high concept chapters yeah whereas like the the majority of the book is just like the little vignettes about people living through ebola either suffering from it or working to treat it 
Yeah. And you have like patients who are on their deathbed, patients who have recovered from it and are living in the fallout. You have like doctors who are wrestling with it. And mm -hmm. so it's a very well-rounded perspective on the whole situation. Yeah. And I think like the brevity of each of those is also, like you said, speaks to the author's background in poetry and also is like su sufficient for getting the point across without i guess running risk of making a spectacle of anything mm -hmm. yeah i'm i'm glad you recommended it yeah i am too i uh it's weird to say that i enjoy the book about well i mean it's, virus, a, a, but I, I think it's got like a valuable insight that uh, you can appreciate even as like you grapple with the dark subject matter yeah yeah so it was it was good and I'm, it was it was good i enjoyed it i did too and uh, I think both of us are probably going to use that for our work in, work in translation from Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, um, once again, In the Company of Men, which, hmm, I guess the title of the book comes from the perspective of the tree as well, because those segments are the tree writing about its relationship to humanity and, like, the mm -hmm. people that live around it. But then it's also, I guess appropriate for a book just about like societal upheaval and like how people like get along through dire circumstances or fail to alternately yeah yeah i also saw it like with the tree i also saw it as omniscient narrator device sure because like the tree has been you know because this tree has been there for presumably thousands of years yes it's very old and has seen the progression and the change in humanity and therefore is able to give like a perspective about that. Uh, once again, that was In the Company of Men by Veronique Tadja. Tadja. And, yep. And uh, <laughs> now, I guess you want to do word totals? We didn't do word totals for last episode. No, we didn't. I don't really remember why we didn't. I think we just forgot. Okay. Yeah. If you've got yours together, you can go ahead. I do. Um, I'm just very quickly putting together your bingo card for uh, okay. this episode. Okay. So since our last episode, I read two books uh, for a combined word total of 43,220 words, okay. which brings my year-to-date total up to 5,248,854 words. Which puts me at 52.2% of my 2021 word count. Okay. You think, uh, how are you feeling? How am I feeling about what? About your, about, uh, the, your own words against you. Um, I sincerely doubt I'm going to surpass my word count from the year, from that year. Okay. Well, I mean, you've still got me beat in terms of word total. Yeah, in terms of the total word total, yes, I do have you beat, but I feel like I feel like the show is I'm not gonna say has completely come to it, but I feel like the show has kind of turned more into a percentage show, of which I am and I am severely lacking in the percentages. Okay. Well, I uh will say that um uh, I'm pretty happy with where I am. Uh I read those three books. And uh, got my word total up from 
3,956,787 to 4,135,318, which compared to 2021 is 93% of that year's word total. Woohoo! Yeah. And I will say, looking at your bingo card, you have not gotten another bingo yet, but you are uh, all the closer. I'd say you're at least one book away in uh, one part or two. Okay. Now, with the addition of In the Company of Men, you have received your first bingo. Yeah. All right. And you are one away in two other places. No, three other places. Sweet. Well, I look so. forward to like uh, just cascading from here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think we would need to allow ourselves multiple submissions per week in order to get a full card by the end of the year. I mean, I'm okay with that. Like, if, okay. as long as we read those books. Sure. I, I I agree. It can't be like I read page. I read ten pages of this. What is it? National Book Award winner. So that's gonna count, right? Oh no. No. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, that's the uh, word counts and bingos. Now we've got another reading a cha- assignment or potentially two. Uh, since we've done two of your books in a row, how do you feel about me assigning a book for? two weeks from now, and then a month from now. Oh, because we did two of my books in a row, so we'll do two of your books in a row? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds fine. Okay. Well, I'll lead us off with the shorter of the two, since uh, that seems like something manageable to get done in two weeks. That would be a short story collection from from Your Words Against Mine favorite, Samantha Swiblin, author of Fever Dream. It is her book, Seven Empty Houses. I believe this one won the National Book Award for a short story collection in the year of its publication. So it's Seven Empty Houses? Yes. Okay. This next one doesn't have a uh, theme in mind uh, with regards to the challenge, but was something I was uh, compelled to seek out. It is Against the Loveless World. By Suzanne Abulhalwa. Okay. Alright, so you got both of those? Yep, got them. Alright, that's our assigned reading done. That's another podcast in the books. Elizabeth, as always, it's great talking to you. You too. Oh, do we want to tell people where to find us? Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) So you can find us on our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. You can find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com and you can email us a question, comment, or recommendation to yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. Sounds good. Well, Elizabeth, I hope you have good reading these next couple weeks. Thanks. You too. I'll see you again later. And to all y'all listening, as always, goodbye. Goodbye.